Good day, and welcome to Sea to Ski with Sarah and T, putting the P in professionally managed vacation rentals. This is the Vacation Rental Management Professionals Podcast, coming to you from the Outer Banks of North Carolina and from the Rocky Mountains of Colorado. I'm Sarah Bradford from Winter Park and Steamboat Springs. And I'm Tim Cafferty from the Outer Banks of North Carolina and Sandbridge, Virginia. Together, we bring you the first podcast focused solely on professionally managed vacation rentals across the nation, or as we like to call it, Sea to Ski with Sarah and T. In the next 30 minutes, we hope you'll join us on our journey as we dive into issues affecting folks like us, the professional vacation rental manager, allowing you to run your business more effectively, make more money, and most importantly, have fun doing it. We are back and better than ever. I'm Tim. And I'm Sarah. Sarah, I hope everything's going well today for you. I know you're excited about today's podcast. I am pretty pumped about today. Maybe of all 31 episodes we've done, this is my favorite and we haven't even started. <laughs> we have John DeJulius. I love watching him speak. I've learned so much from him. And John, I've changed my company because of you. So we are thrilled to have him on the show today. Thank you so much. I am pumped to be here. I'm a little worried that I was your 31st choice. Um, (laughs) I don't know what happened in the previous 30 episodes, but hey, I'm just happy you called. Been a keynote speaker at VRMA a couple of times, including this past spring. So you're familiar with our audience. Tell us in general what your thoughts are about the vacation rental business, John. You know, it's like everything else. It is changing so fast. I like to say there's an Uber out there coming or has already come to every industry and it's just rapidly changing. And you guys are obviously no different to compete with the big boxes, the people that have deeper pockets, the people that have technological disruption. It's it's come 360 and it's about the relationships today. And you better have amazing customer experience, engaged employees, or you deserve to lose market share and be on the side of the road. And it's just that simple. And that's what's going to happen. It's happening at a faster pace. But also there's huge opportunities for us to have our leverage to take away business from the giants. And let's dig into that, John, because let's talk a little bit about your history and how you started. You were in an industry, the spa industry, where there's a lot of them on every corner. And so you could say that you were in this commodity. People called you a commodity business. Talk about how did you start to differentiate John Roberts spas to be different from everybody else on the other corner? Well, it was out of necessity, and and I'm glad we were limited. So when we started, we had no customers, no employees, no business and no money. So we had to be resourceful. And the one thing that didn't cost us anything was being extremely nice and creating an experience. And as you said, our first salon was on a busy strip center, uh, you know, a long road that goes from Cleveland to Pennsylvania. And you could throw a rock in any direction and hit 10 other salons. on They're on the same corners. It's just crazy. So we couldn't advertise about it. We couldn't advertise at all, but we certainly couldn't take out advertisements. We couldn't build the nicest place at the time, but we thought we can create an experience. And we didn't want it to be the best salon experience. We wanted it to be the best experience you had 
compared against anything else. If you went to the dentist, if you went to lunch with your friends, if you went shopping, we wanted every other experience to pale in comparison. And when it became more and more and bigger and bigger, we had to figure out how to systematize that and make sure everyone was like that. And so fast forward 5, 10, 15, 25 years later, we have found that that is the best investment. And we don't market. We don't advertise. We still, and we have the funds to, but we put 100% of our advertising marketing dollars into training and making our customer experience better. And that yields us more new customers than anything else. Wow. That is a meaty answer right there to kick off the show. I think we have these things we call pullover moments, John. I think we just had one there. And people might just want to park the car for the next 20 minutes or so. Because yeah, don't more even coming. try to drive when you listen to John DeJulius. You just need to have your notepad out. So I think to try to tie that into what I was just educating myself on, I was watching your TED Talk. You did a TED Talk, so congratulations. That's rare air right there. But I remember the concept was you meet as strangers, you leave as friends. That's sort of the basis of what you're talking about, is it not? It is. I mean, because of the digital disruption, we are entering the relationship economy. Listen, innovation years ago would use, if you were truly innovative and you came out with some, we usually had a shelf life, it could be a couple of years. Now it's a couple months. Mm. I mean, technology is the easiest thing to replicate, all these great advances, everyone's going to replicate immediately. So talking to Alexa, my chat box, having you know uh, the online book online, that's all great. And it is making life easier and more convenient. But if, you, if your people that I'm interacting with when I have to aren't empathetic, compassionate, engaged, and proactive and anticipatory, and when you do drop the ball, and we all do, when you do drop the ball, if they don't pick it up and make it right, and they're not trained to, then it is a commodity business. So I'm going to go to the cheapest, whatever that may be. But to meet as strangers and uh, leave as friends is about the relationship economy. And there's no greater skill that can be taught at home, in schools, and in businesses than how to build instant rapport with anyone, whether it be a, an acquaintance, a customer, a coworker, or total stranger. Amen, brother. My hands are up in the sky. Tell us how to do that. Give us some examples. People are listening thinking, yes, that's what I want my staff to do. But I just hired 22-year-olds and they've never really had a job before. How do I teach them this rapport building? Maybe they didn't learn that in school. They didn't learn it. So it's not their fault. But as businesses, it's our problem. And we can't just moan and say, oh, my God, this generation. And it. No, it is in our lap to fix. The few businesses that are willing to step up and fix it are going to reap the reward. So we are in the touchscreen era, the touchscreen age. And that is not a, a generational thing, right? Our grandparents are on Facebook, right? We're on our reading and social media and, and iPads. And then obviously the millennials and younger are on that. So just by sheer, it's just a different world out there. And the new generation of employees don't have the innate people skills that we were forced to. And I apologize. I'm, I'm making myself feel younger by saying we. I know you guys aren't as old as me, but it it, it still makes me feel a little better. But how do we teach people? And and I say, you know, I love asking audiences or 
my employees, hey, who's really good here at building a, a relationship or an instant rapport with a total stranger? So I'm sure Tim and Sarah's hands are up. I'm, I am. We all think we are. Mm-hmm. But I, I call BS. And I say, just because you might know my name from being a customer, recognize my face, or living three doors down from you, doesn't mean you've built a rapport or a relationship. And in order to prove to me after you've had a conversation with someone, anyone, that you've built a rapport is you have to know two or more things of their Ford, F-O-R-D, like the car. You got to know family. Are they married? Do they have kids? How old are their kids? O stands for occupation. What do they do? What's their title? How long they've been doing it? R, recreation. What do they like to do with their free time? What turns them on? And then the D is dreams. What's on their bucket list? What do they want to do? If you know two or more things of someone's Ford, you not only have a relationship, you own the relationship because to each of us, our own personal Ford is our hot button. And you know, there's certain things you don't want to ask me unless you have two hours because I'm going to tell you and I'm going to be pumped up and ramped and you're going to be wishing you didn't ask me and you're going to be looking for someone to save you from this conversation if you hit on my certain hot button. I remember you saying, whether I saw you in person or whether it was on the TED Talk or another YouTube video you did, you talked about everybody has a story and everybody loves talking about themselves, don't they? Yeah, and we're genetically programmed to be about ourselves, And that's not a negative thing, but it's my flight that got delayed. It's my flat tire that I had that delayed me from getting to my meeting. or And it's my son who got in trouble at school today. And that's just, that's okay. But having a technique like Ford focuses, get it off me and onto you. And when we can make the sole focus of learning about someone else, that is when the magic happens. Because everyone does have a story to tell and they light up and it means so much to them. So how do we use Ford? Personal lives, that's, that's obvious, but also in business. I carry around a pad. It's always on the inside of my sport jacket or suit. So as soon as I have a conversation, I can turn around and update it. And then I can enter it into my iPhone or my CRM system. So anyone that's talking to Sarah on my staff can reference anything about where she just went on a trip, anything about her Ford, and, and continue to build that relationship. So it isn't just dependent on me, dependent on anyone in our brand. I know Sarah has more questions for you, but I got a follow up for you on that, John. What goes off in my head, though, is, of course, I try to do my best, but I've got all this staff that's out there, and you talk about training them. What do you look for in a prospective employee that might tell you, boy, this is one for me? We look for the five E's. Uh, the five E's, and they take less than five seconds to do. The first three take one second to do simultaneously. So it's eye contact, enthusiastic greet, and ear to ear smile. You know, that happens all at once. Tim, right? And I do it all at once. The fourth E is, is engage. So how engaging are you? And, and engaging means it's, it's about me, the customer, or me, the interview. You're asking me questions. You're talking about me. You're asking, it's about me. And then the fifth E is educate. Whatever I'm asking you, if it's a potential employee, but you, you're articulate and you're educating. Now, not all of those they're going to come with, and I'm okay with that, but that kind of tells me if they have the service aptitude potential that my training system will make them be a rock star. Not everyone does. Most people do. 99% of people that we meet aren't there yet. 
and they need that. But there's a few percent that all the customer service training in the, in the world isn't going to get. So if I'm interviewing Tim and I say, what are you passionate about? What do you love to do? What's your dreams? And you say, I, you know, I love to run or I love dogs. But you're not, you don't get excited when you're talking about that. I can't see you getting excited about anything. So I'm looking <laughs> for things that I can help build upon. And I would say those first three E's, the eye contact, the energetic smile, and the what? Enthusiastic greet. Enthusiastic greet. Those three E's tell me that this person has enthusiasm. Love it. So then let's say you get a person with the five E's. You hire them. You said you don't do marketing. You put all your money into the customer experience, making it better, and training those people. Can you give us an example of what that means? Like how do you go from wanting to do this to really training that frontline staff to be sure that every day, even if their boyfriend broke up with them or they went out too late the night before, that they're going to deliver a great customer experience. The primary difference between if a company is better at customer service than another company or an employee is better at customer service than another employee is their service aptitude. And so the paradigm shift that everyone listening that is in leadership has to understand is that service aptitude is not innate. It's not something that just comes to us. It is a skill that has to be taught. If you, you know, and, and the three places service aptitude comes from is previous life experiences. And I'm pretty sure most of us listening did not grow up getting a Mercedes Benz when we turned 16, flying first class, staying at five-star resorts and properties, and getting $150 haircuts. Yet the moment we get hired we were expected to deliver that type of an experience to those types of clients, guests, patients, tenants, whatever they may be called. And it's not fair. The second place service aptitude that gets created in each of us is our previous work experiences. And unless your properties, customers out there have direct access to previous Ritz-Carlton and Chick-fil-A and Nordstrom's employees, which none of us do, all of our existing and future generation of employees have worked somewhere else, which means they might have worked for someone who's very paranoid and suspicious and teaches their employees not to let the guests take advantage of them. Again, that's not their fault. That's how they were brainwashed, and we have to unchange it. The third place is the only thing we can control, what we do with an employee after we hire them. And that's where we have to teach them service. Assume no one's going to have high service aptitude. So- the first place is we teach them a day in the life of a typical guest. And you think someone's coming to our property and they're staying and how wonderful that's going to be. But we all know what travel's like. And the weeks leading up to that trip, vacation, I mean, we all know that taking a vacation isn't always worth it because the work you have to do and get ready leading up to it and then when you have to come back to it, right? So we're putting out fires we got things at work, customers yelling at us, bosses demanding, trying to get the kids prepared for the trip. And then you got to travel, which is a whole ordeal. And so you, you describe and you have your employees and your new employees kind of go through a day in the life of what a guest could be going through literally today leading up to their journey or in the past week or month. And that really helps create empathy and compassion so I'm present with that customer. I know how badly they need this escape. But they also know how badly they need my attention for the next 90 seconds 
and to answer what could be stupid questions to me. So I know that was a really long answer. I got more, but I'll let you uh, drive it. Oh, I love all of that. And what I really like about what you're saying, John, is nothing you've mentioned costs money other than the time of training somebody. So to learn someone's Ford and mention it later to show them they're special and also to do this day in the life, which we did with our staff and I need to continue to do after we heard you present, it's all free. You're not buying the person flowers at this point. You're simply getting to know them and then teaching your staff how to be empathetic. So what would be, I mean, if you could jump into our world of vacation rentals, what would be some free ways to wow them, to really make them say, gosh, Tim's company, that's the one I'll always go to from now on. Yeah, I mean, it's a little things. It's when I get there to know that I, the age of my kids, something may cost a little bit, but you might have the special drink. I don't even mean alcohol. I mean, like, you know, whatever it is that we enjoy those. Just so when we first get there, there's something in the refrigerator. It's making sure, and this takes 10 minutes to do the first time, and typically it doesn't change after that, but making sure I know what the best place to get pizza is, the best place to get whatever the highlights of the city, not just five-star restaurants, but the little things I need to see before I leave and not the obvious, right? I know, you know, when I'm going to San Diego, there's the zoo and there's probably a Padres game and, and whatever that, but I want the places that only the locals know. And just little things like that. And I have it customized to if it's just me and my significant other, well, that's going to be different experiences than if I have to entertain three boys all week. And the best places to see a sunset. All those little things that locals know that I'm not going to find out on, on a website. I think we forget that as vacation rental managers, owners. We think, okay, let's make sure the sheets are perfect and the bed's perfect and the chair's cute and the TV works. And we forget that they're actually not really coming to look at the couch and the TV, even though that should look good, but that they're going to go out and have an experience. And Tim and I talk about this a lot. That's a new pressure that we have as a business. In the past, it was just like, here's the house. Good luck. But now that's how we can differentiate ourselves. What do you think? Well, there's something else that like frustrated me with the travel agents a hundred years ago, right? They got eliminated. They were a dinosaur because they didn't add any value to people traveling. And and you found they were just order takers and you could you eventually found out that you could do what they did in, in a matter of sixty seconds or six minutes. And that's why the airlines cut their commission and they had to start charging it directly to the customer. But something that like I couldn't understand why a travel agent could, didn't provide me, which again, I think your types of organizations can provide me, is a travel checklist, right? Because I always get there and there's something I forget. And it could be something stupid like a belt, socks, enough dress shirts or enough workout shirts or all those little things. And I know, you know, sometimes you have the washing machines and stuff, but I'd love to get that sheet sent to me a, a week before and it says, you know, where it has a blank line for how many evenings I'm going to be going out to dinner, how many workouts, how many days at the beach, how many days. And then, you know, you, you feel I actually made myself one because I was so poor at packing that I have this pad before I go on an extended family vacation. So I don't so I know how many workout clothes, tops, T-shirts, silly stuff, but even tips like so you can pack less. You, you guys know this. 
like it, it, it's something stupid, but maybe a, a T-shirt or a, a something that I wear the night before underneath a dress shirt, I can use as a workout shirt the next morning, which eliminates six workout shirts. So, mm-hmm. you know, just anticipating my needs and, and it's, it's only needs to be created once because it doesn't change after that. I have never thought of doing that. I'm embarrassed to say. And actually, John, if you came skiing in Steamboat, you might not know what to bring because you think it's going to be as cold as Cleveland. And I would need to tell you, here's what to bring for your ski trip versus bringing nine different bags of warm clothes. I mean, that that's just makes perfect sense. No, you're so right. I mean, unless, unless you know I'm a regular, and that's the other thing about this is if I am a regular, I want to be treated like a regular, right? John, I know you've been here before, but just as a reminder, if you don't remember, you know, give me some tips. Versus John, I know this is your first stay in Steamboat because someone collected that, right, on the thing. And you've never been to Colorado or Steamboat. And let me tell you some nuances about or whatever the tips are. But that makes me feel like a VIP. I want to be recognized for my return visits versus I want to be more educated about being a first-timer. John, I want you to touch on something that's kind of been a theme for us on the last few podcasts, and you've teed it up really well, but we haven't exactly spelled it out. And that's the whole tech versus touch thing. So it's a great point. We can't forget that the number one spending income generation is baby boomers, and we're starting to neglect them. And, and the bottom line is we have to be where our customers want us to be. So we have to have both available. Some people don't want to pick up the phone. They want to chat on your website. They want to email. They want to text. They want to use the app. That's fine. If and when we, we can provide all those avenues, great, as long as we're paying attention to them and not ignoring them. And then we have to be available and offering if you want to speak to me. And also knowing the difference when to escalate it to just pick up the phone. So we have internal rule or never we call that if it's not clear on the first email, call them. Or if we can't say yes to something they're emailing us, we got to call them because you can't hear the empathy and compassion I have and how bad I feel that we can't provide you whatever it is that you're asking in an email. An email response will say, unfortunately, we can't do that. You know, And you're for $10,000, you can't do that? But if I call you up and say, Tim, I would love to be able to have that for you, fortunately, and I explain it to you, and if I do it in such a way, you should be apologizing to me for how bad I feel. Like, Tim, mm-hmm. I, I don't know what I'm going to do. I'm not going to be able to sleep tonight. Um, you know, because I can't get that for you. And you're going to be like, no, no, God, John, no, it wasn't that important. <laughs> Are you sure, Tim? Because I feel god-awful, right? Mm-hmm. But you, there's no way I could, I could articulate that in an email, a text, a website, chat. So if it can't be yes, we call them. If it wasn't clear the first time, I don't want to make you sound, you know, feel stupid and just basically send you the same email back saying, well, check-in doesn't, can't happen before three. Sorry. No, call you up saying, because we're fully reserved, whatever your language is, but here's what we can do. And if for some reason they get earlier and we can get it, we will call you immediately. Right? That's all understanding. So, so you have to, you have to be there for where the, how the customers want to communicate, but also know when to 
escalate it to that face-to-face interaction, ear-to-ear. You just remember reminded me, John, of how you do train staff and something you taught me, which is, well, first of all, you teach your staff how to not say no would be a big one. And then another technique is to come up with your staff, your always and your nevers. And then you have a common language with your staff about what you will not do and what you will do. Can you talk about that a little bit? You just touched on it. Yeah. So most people point out that the nevers and always are their favorite, right? So real easy, not a lot of training, no no technology needed to be taught, but typical nevers and always. Uh, never say no. Always focus on what you can do. It's just not a no. Just focus on what you can do. So can I check in earlier? You know, can I have just here are here, here are the things we can do. Never say no problem. Certainly my pleasure. Absolutely. Never point. Show them. Now, I know in your business, most people think of pointing and showing if you're coming to a hotel when you're on property at a restaurant. No, I mean, yes, but people point all the time over the phone or via email, right? You send me, hey, John, can you uh, provide me with an intro for today's podcast? Or maybe you send it to, to Lindsay or Nicole. And Lindsay says, here, you could get that off our website, but she doesn't give you our website or why is she even giving you the link to the website? Why can't she send you the link or send you the actual intro? Or, John, can you provide – well, that, that Lindsay takes care of that. You can give her a call. That's pointing over the phone and via email versus just taking care of it. Or can I have Lindsay call you right now and give that to you? So it, oversharing, another big pet peeve. Don't overshare. If I don't need to know, I don't need to know. It's like, have you ever been in a plane where the pilot says, oh, my God, we almost crashed? No, <laughs> we don't have to know that, right? So, you know, just take care of it. And a lot of times we, we overshare because I want to make sure you know it wasn't my fault. Mm-hmm. Um, Lindsay didn't give me the information that I needed to be prepared or the, or the login number or the website for this podcast, whatever it may be. Lindsay always does that. Right? You didn't need to know that. If I need to take Lindsay out back and throw rocks at her, that's my business. I just need to make it right and and take care of my customers. A lot of things like that. One of my favorite, uh, some of my favorite always, right? Use the guest name two or more times. Use your name two or more times because for me to be loyal to your business, I need to know more people there. Anyone can fire a company, but it's hard to fire Sarah and Tim and other people. And now I'm part of the community. I, I love, there's not a place you can't use this is there anything else else i can do for you today sarah right i could do that face to face over the phone and via email and that gives you the impression you're the only person i'm worried about even though i got three people standing in front of me 72 emails to get back to three blinking lights just by saying that one thing every time i interact with someone makes them feel like they're it the world is revolving around them so those are some examples of numbers. Yeah. You taught me what is the best word in the English language. What's the most beautiful word in the English language? My name. Yeah. So it's Sarah for me, but it's John for you. Tim, let Correct. me say your most beautiful word. Rapid fire <laughs> is my most beautiful word. <laughs> so <laughs> it is time for that. All right. Speaking it, of being it. as long a- as you guys stay away from uh 
you know, when I was younger and I got in a little trouble, we'll be good. <laughs> okay. But you were just speaking about being part of the community. This is part of the rite of initiation for Sea to Ski with Sarah and T, our inane game where we fire questions at you, and you can answer in a few words or as long as you want. And so it's time to start the clock. All right, John, give me one thing on your bucket list. Oh, I want to do a commencement speech. I've never done a college commencement speech. All right, wherever my kids go to college, I promise you will do the commencement speech. (laughs) Love it, love it. John, what is, what's your morning routine? Get up really early, make my coffee, uh, put ESPN on, stretch out a little bit, then wake up my son, they have breakfast with him, take him to school, then I get my workout in, and then I get ready for my day. Best piece of advice you ever got? I have an attitude for gratitude. No one succeeds by themselves. Don't forget all the people to help you in your journey. And that could be the janitor. That could be the third grade teacher that had more patience than she should have for my behavior. And it's when I'm lucky on the rare occasions to get a standing ovation to remember that that standing ovation is not for me. It takes so many people on my team to make me look good and put me in that position that don't think that it was it, you had as much to do with is sometimes we can feel guilty uh, think that we are so your browns tied my steelers last week which was embarrassing and then they just lost by a hair yesterday so do the browns have a chance this year a chance at what <laughs> <laughs> winning a game <laughs> i i believe that the uh the uh, my over and under is three Oh, they'll do better. All right. I think they're going to do better. All right, John, if you're scanning channels on TV, what's that show or movie that you stop on and watch for the 15th time? Meet Joe Black. I want to be William Parrish. William Parrish is um, Anthony Hopkins. And the life he leads, the character he possesses is just like, he's just my idol. His character in that movie is my idol for what he stands for. And I just... I can never watch it enough. It just, for the next five minutes to hopefully five days, I feel like I'm a better person for having watched it. Good for you. Oh my gosh, I'm going to watch that tonight. Okay, deviled eggs or guacamole? Guacamole. It has to be gluten-free. Okay, here's a recurring question. Well, maybe you can settle this once and for all, John. Email checking. Do it several times a day or only a couple times? So... I want my employees to check it periodically, like, you know, whatever it is, like, like you said, like first thing in the morning, lunch and, and, and afternoon. But I'm a hypocrite. Um, I check it all day long only because I am over the top OCD and my inbox has to be empty at all times. That's my I man. never have an email in my inbox. That's and that's just more of a sickness that I need therapy for. Okay. See if you can get a group uh, rate for that. I'll come, too. <laughs> <laughs> I, one of the things I'll show you, like, if we're out for dinner on Friday night, is I'll show you in my inbox, you know, on my phone. And I'll be like, ha-ha, look at my, <laughs> you know, I'm very proud. My three boys in my inbox is all I brag about. John, are you a person that looks at their phone at dinner on Friday night? No. So, so I do have a rule. When we're out, phones, watches, electronics, uh, stay in the car. Unless I have, uh, unless someone's not with me, then I uh, will bring my watch in only to peek at making sure it's not an emergency. If it's, you know, business or anything else, I won't respond. But if it's one of my boys calling or something, then, then I will. What was your worst subject in school, John? 
Um, that is the toughest question you ask because it's all of them. I was requested to repeat every grade from first through twelfth. Um, suspended from high school. Um, not except the high school my older brothers attended. Graduated 215th out of 215 people in my high school, and then proceeded to flunk out of college. So, take your pick. Throw a dart at the board. I flunked them all. That's so amazing. Everybody should listen to that. That ever struggled in school, because I think you're brilliant. So that yeah, just shows that school is, doesn't work for everybody. It wasn't. Uh, it wasn't easy for my mom. I'll tell you that. I thought we owned our、uh, grade school. Like I used to tell people what to do, like my teachers, because my mom always said she had to buy the school to get me out of fourth grade into fifth grade. So I literally like thought we had ownership and equity in the school. Yeah, I, I they didn't know how to handle me back then. ADD and LD,、uh, and it wasn't、uh, it was difficult for them to handle back then. Wow, you're amazing. Okay, here's my last question: What is your favorite vacation spot? That's a great one. I will tell you, I love a house with, with a pool and a water. Does it, I mean, I just love it because of what that does. And versus the, and I love resorts, but there's just something about staying at a house with everyone and, and just cooking dinner together, not going to the hotel dinner and. You know, not ordering room service and not turning the TV on and playing the stupid games, spoon and Uno and all those games. So I've been to a lot of places. I don't know if I could pick one, but that is the. the I, I guess I could say that's the type of vacation I genuinely love to have with my my family. Okay, we can hook you up. Okay, I got a couple more here for you, real quick. What? Book? Are you reading now? You know, I, I read five at a time. Wow!、Um, and I'm not, and don't be impressed. I'm not reading more than anyone. It's because you know my goal is to read at least 15 minutes a day, and a lot of times I, I'm lucky and, and I can get more out of that. But see, if I read business, a business book for the next four to six weeks, I start suffering as a parent and、uh, and, and maybe motivation and help. So I always am reading something about health and diet. I'm always reading my business books. I'm always reading motivation, and I'm always read, reading something about self-help and relationship with my significant other or with my my family or friends. So again, I'm not reading more than anyone else. I may read each book for five minutes at a time, just so I, I'm, I have to water each one of those areas, or I could become. An ugly person in, in those areas. If I'm not constantly focusing on them, what gift or talent do you not possess that you wish you had? I always wanted to be the shortstop for the Cleveland Indians. <laughs> so、uh, I don't I don't know what talent.、Uh, you know, being five six definitely、uh, limited my chances. So、yeah. uh, being a major league baseball player, I guess if we if we if we can call that a A talent or a gift、mm-hmm. that would have been the、uh, only thing that would re- compare to what I'm doing now. I love what I do now. Fantastic. Okay. Well, that does it for rapid fire. As usual, John, you win nothing but our appreciation for playing our name <laughs> game. So, Sarah, now time for not so hot off the press, but definitely happening. Yes, we do this on every podcast, John. A little news of our in our industry, and this、yeah. one. We mentioned on our last podcast, but there's this new show called Stay Here, 
on Netflix. And it's a guy and a girl who are redecorating and talking to the owners or the vacation rental companies about these places of how to get more rent. My kids are now obsessed. I mean, I've definitely turned my kids into vacation rental company obsessed people. So we watch it every night and I encourage everyone to watch it. It's really interesting to see what they say, but to bring it back to John on the program with us, one of the things they really get into is experience and they get into making your place unique and the Instagram moment for the techie people, but then also the experience. This guy had a winery and they stay on the vineyard and he wasn't even showing them how to anything about the vines, never showed them anything about winemaking. And this couple said, walk them around the vineyard for five minutes and they're going to think they have this incredible experience. So do you feel that too when you go to a location? Is that a way that we could differentiate ourselves, John? You know, when you go somewhere, you want to know about it and, and the nooks and crannies and why this piece of art is here and the owner is on a trip somewhere and he met this man and you know i want the storytelling i want to be a part of the fabric for the next seven to 14 days that's like so important to me and that people are knowledgeable about where they work and that they can educate me on the little behind the scenes so i could go back and sound smarter to my kids and tell them you know these stories if they're not on that tour i love that stuff otherwise it's just another hotel with a bad TV and, and, and phone. Exactly. And you might not remember who to book with next time because it was just that hotel down the street. Who cares? Correct. All right. Well, that wraps it up. Tim, do you want to finish it up here? Sure. Well, that is the voice of John DeJulius, who is the best-selling author, all-around great guy. And we really appreciate you being here, John. Fantastic job. Thank you very much. I actually ran my pen out of ink writing notes. <laughs> And Tim, I would also add, this is our first TED Talk speaker ever on our podcast. (laughs) And since John won't plug it, I will tell you, if you ever want to go see John speak live, and he has a lot of other incredible speakers, every September in Cleveland, Ohio, you can go to the Secret Service Summit. I've gone and I've sent a lot of my staff to that. I highly recommend it. Thank you guys so much. I really enjoyed it. It was a pleasure and I'm so glad that I did the TED Talk, which got you guys to call me. And we will post the TED Talk on our Facebook Sea to Ski with Sarah and T page when we post this podcast. Thank you again, John. And we hope to see you soon. My pleasure. Thank you, guys. Oh, and by the way, you're not older than Tim. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, it's time for me to say so long, everybody. See you soon, Sarah. Bye, guys. Thank you for listening to Sea to Ski with Sarah and T, Professional Vacation Rental Managers Podcast, brought to you by Sarah Bradford of Winter Park Lodging Company and Steamboat Lodging Company, as well as Tim Cafferty of Outer Banks Blue and Sandbridge Blue Realty Services. Together, Sarah and Tim manage more than 600 privately owned vacation rental properties, and both are regarded as experts in the vacation rental management industry. Music provided by Ben Sound. We encourage your participation on this podcast by sharing it with friends, and please feel free to rate and review the podcast on iTunes. Comments or reviews on this particular podcast can be made on their website, see to ski with sarahnt.com, where you can also subscribe to the podcast as well as provide them feedback on this episode or give them ideas for future topics. We look forward to speaking with you next time on See to Ski with Sarah and T.